Hello, everyone. Welcome to a special post-lockout edition of the Noise Brigade. I am Bobby. He is Tom. And we are going to talk a little baseball today. How you doing, Tom? I'm doing good, man. Yeah, I'm so excited. And this actually happened on my birthday. So I was, you know, super tickled about that. The funny thing is, is that I had no idea because I was kind of in the middle of stuff, uh, work and with everything going on. Uh, I didn't find out about it until you texted me. So that was a nice, pleasant surprise. Yeah, well, what I did is um, I actually did that for your birthday. That was that was the present that I got you. So I, you can just you know give all the credit for this lockout ending to me. Okay, cool. I I, I appreciate that. <laughs> I mean, sorry I didn't get you a card, but you know I figured the, the entire sport coming back would be good enough. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean that's hey, you know what, man. I I, I don't know what kind of strings you pulled, but uh, you you did it and. Uh, now, I was uh, super excited about it, and I mean, funny thing was, though, um, there were uh, a, lot of, a lot of differences, you know, coming from maybe things that came through, like, the last couple of COVID years, if you will, that kind of stuck, and we'll talk about those, um, some different rule changes, um, different things there, um, you know, and I would like to uh, just kind of cap this off by, you know, just kind of talking about our Phillies and what they did or didn't do so far this offseason. Um, but, uh, now, nah, man, you want to just kind of dive into some of these rule changes and kind of see where we're at here and just kind of, we'll go back and forth on this. Cause I, I think you and I are probably on the same page on a lot of this stuff, but I think there's some things that we, we might have a discussion on. So, so what do you think? What do you want to, you want to do that? Yeah, man, let's go. Let's go. So dive in. we'll start off with the first one, which is, which is probably the biggest one. And that's the, uh, the universal DH. So I think we both were kind of resigned to the fact that this was coming, but um, I still don't like it. Yeah, you know, this is tough. Um, I figured it was coming. And, and look, you know, there, there's an era of great hitting pitchers, um, you know, in the hell. I mean, Otani, look at him now. Right. Uh, you know, but I mean, it, before that, though, I mean, I'm talking about the, the likes of a Cliff Lee or those people that actually spent the time to go through and really hone their entire game. And uh, I think those guys are few and far between. Those, those days are they were behind us. And, you know, I think, you know, the other thing, too, is that the, the AL has had the DH since, what, 1970, I believe? Yeah, I... You know what? Now I'm gonna let me look it up real quick. Um, let's see. Yeah, I can't. Remember. I want to say it was '70, but I don't exactly remember when. 1973. Okay, okay, okay. I knew it was in the '70s. Um, so it's been a long time coming. You know, so that happened. You know, several years before you know you and I were even on the planet. So this is one of those things that we just grew up with National League baseball being entirely different. There was more strategy there. Um, you know, you said some really different things there. That's the one thing I hate the most. This absolutely kills that strategy. I don't know. What, what about you? What do you think about that portion of it? Yeah, no. And, and that's where I get angry at it is, you know, baseball, I feel like we're dumbing it down, you know, and we'll get to the other parts that are, that are contributing to this, but there used to be a strategy that national league managers had to adhere to. And it was, you know, all right, well, I've got a pitcher who's who's got a hot hand right now, but we're coming into the end of the the end of the game, 
and we're you know he's next up he's in the hole and we've got a um or he's on deck we you know we've got we've got a a bat you know a guy on the bench like we've for instance we've got reese hoskins sitting the bench today taking a rest uh do we bring him in with the bases loaded to you know to kind of seal the deal or do we just let him ride you know when do we lift the, the pitcher now it's just like oh well we'll just lift the pitcher whenever we want and there's no strategy involved it's you know we don't have to worry about him hitting he can just stay in the game you don't have to, you know you can use him up to the last drop um instead of you know maybe potentially pulling him early or pulling him too late right it, you know it, so it, it takes something off of the manager's plate and it just kind of i don't know i i like the strategic element of letting your pitcher be a part of the batting order and having to figure out how to balance and and when to gamble and when not to you know Right, and the one thing I've thought about, too, because moving down here when I did, so I've been down here for about the last 20 years, I always caught a lot of St. Louis baseball, and I remember watching, like, Tony La Russa and some of these other guys um, that would slot the pitcher in the eighth hole. Um, so they would put him eight in the batting order, and there was reasons for that, um, you know, just depending upon, so lineup, you know, the lineup flipping and, and just different things. You know, it's, it's a, it's a it, yeah, it's a, it's a caveat, real small, little, you know, strategy piece there, but those, those days are gone, you know, and uh, I'm not saying that I was a fan of fan of it necessarily, as far as like stuff that, that, that part of it, like I just, in my head, it's like, well, they have to hit in the ninth position, but they would do these different things with it. And I was like, okay, I can see why. Um, but, you know, it, it's just interesting. I think the other thing too, and I don't, again, I don't know. I, mean, I just kind of had these thoughts as, as, as I was kind of thinking this through, I would imagine that some of these national league teams have kind of had to work over the rosters over the last couple of years to kind of accommodate the pitcher hitting. And I don't know if that positions the AL better necessarily when it comes, you know, world series time, playoff time, whatever, just overall that, that side of it, because now the NL is playing the AL's game. Um, I just don't, you know, I mean, look at the Phillies themselves right now as it stands. I mean, we don't have the Nelson Cruz DH. We don't have the, you know, <laughs> they don't have that right. kind of person. Um, whereas a lot of the AL teams, to me, they do. Uh, and uh, I just, eh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Well, and it's funny, too, because, I mean, you know, you talk about Tony LaRusso batting the, you know, batting the pitcher lower in the order. And honestly, that so we've talked quite a bit about uh super baseball simulator 1000 and you and I kind of have, you know, I stole a strategy from you where, you know, you load up the top half of your lineup with mashers and then the bottom half of your lineup, or, or, you know, you split up your lineup. So you've got mashers behind speed guys that can bunt mm -hmm. and get on base and load the bases. And then you got a masher right there. And so even in games like that in MVP baseball for the Xbox, there were times when I was doing that, where I was, I was adjusting it. Even in the show, I would adjust my lineup to get somebody a hot hitter, or, or not necessarily a hot hitter, but a, but more of a contact guy in the nine hole, so that you've you've got that, so that you're not ending. You know, say say the first two innings, you're up and down, up and down, right? So then that leaves you with your seven, eight, nine hole hitters in the um you know to, to start off the third well by the third i want to start generating some offense so i'm worried you know say my seven my seven hitter gets on right and then my eight hitter gets on and then i get the pitcher and bat ninth or 
you know, something like that. There's some kind of thing like that. I don't want it to be dead to my pitcher to try and drive those guys in and possibly hit into a double play or something like that, you know, or any kind of, I don't want to leave it. I don't want to leave it on my pitcher to be the clutch hitter. If need right. be. Exactly. So I'll sometimes I'll, I'll adjust that and I'll, or I'll, I can even move them up to seven, you know, so lead off the inning with an out and then you're not clogging up the base paths either. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no, no kidding. Um, yeah, it's funny. The, uh, I, to this day, if I do, do throw on the show, I, I still kind of do the same thing. I still kind of adjust my lineup to where, like you said, I have a, have a contact hitter in a certain position. Um, and then, it, and then hopefully it'll lead me to, you know, somebody that's going to drive them, you know, drive them in, whether it's a, a gap or a, a home run. Um, but no, the kind of same way I, I would kind of, I would kind of fuss around a little bit near the bottom of my, my lineup. I would never really touch the pitcher though. Um, it really depended. I, I might, um, depending upon how, how well everyone was playing or if I needed to arrest somebody or those sorts of things. But again, that's part of the strategy and that's part of the strategy that real managers had, you know, um, and that part goes away. So, um, again, I think it's look. This isn't this isn't revolutionary. We knew this was coming, um, and I'm kind of shocked that it took almost 50 years <laughs> to come to the National League. Right. So, okay. All right. So um, yes. Playoffs. Playoffs. Oof. Playoffs. Practice. No playoffs. Practice? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, man! Twelve teams. My goodness! What the heck? Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if this is just me being a curmudgeon or, or, you know, get off my lawn kind of thing. But, like, I I don't like that we're moving to 12 playoff teams and there's still 162-game schedule. You know, it, it's too long of a season to play for most of that season to not matter because you're getting 12 teams in. Like, yeah, you know, I, now I'll be the first person to say that I think the NHL playoffs are the best playoffs in all of sports, you know, and yes, a lot of teams make it, but they only play an 82 game schedule. And yeah, that's still a lot of games, but to get to where they they need to get to, it works out. I just yeah. can't see 12 baseball teams making the playoffs. I mean, we've gone from God, when we were when we were growing up, it was two teams from each league. Yeah. Yeah. So we yeah. went from four we went from four teams total making the playoffs to to 12 teams. I, I Yeah. Don't know. I the thing is part that bothers me about it. And, and again, look Several things. 162 game season, too long for this. Um, shorten the season. If you're going to do that, drop it to the old 154 at least. Knock knock those eight games off. Right. Um, and at least keep it traditional um, with 154 games. Um, you know, for those of you that are like 80 or 90 years old, I guess you remember that. <laughs> um, I don't know why you looked at me when you said that. Yeah, you know. Um, but the uh, the other thing too is you're you're talking about over a third of the league making the playoffs. There's 30 teams, so right. you know expand the league if you want 12 teams. I, I don't know what the magic number is, but I'm, I'm telling you, you're not going to get what I think I've heard rumblings of. Um, you know, maybe Nashville getting an expansion team or Montreal getting one again. 
Uh, I've heard rumblings there, but I've not heard rumblings more than maybe a couple different cities getting a major league team. Even at 32 teams, 12 is high. Right. Um, and I just don't know how it works Works if you if you add things there, because if they start doing that, we're like, okay, well, let's have 16 teams make the playoffs. And it's like, you know, well, I, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't they saying that possibly next year it's going to be 14 teams? You know, I didn't. I think maybe I saw that in passing. Uh, but yeah, there are some things on the table for twenty three. I don't know. I, Twelve is too much. Fourteen is ridiculous. Um, you know, I guess it's cool to get. I don't know. Build your interest in especially teams that you know what they win eighty four, eighty five games, and maybe that slots them in a position to actually make the playoffs rather than having to win 92, 93, and more. Um, because you end up with things like, you know, look, I know they made the playoffs, but the Dodgers win 106 games and don't win at all. You, you have these different anomalies that happen over time, but then you also have teams that probably won, what, 90, 91, 92 games in years past that were probably just as good as the 106-win Dodger team and weren't making the playoffs. Right. Um you know, and I don't want to get into semantics about men, you know, 106 is better than 90, whatever. But based on scheduling and the amount of teams actually making the playoffs back then, and then, you know, just pure records, like this whole thing to me is just like you're watering it down. You know, I, I don't know. I, I think it's cool in a way because we do have a, maybe a better chance for, you know, for the Phillies to make it, you know, I don't know. I, I, you know, they, they've been a, hovering around a 500 team. Maybe it takes 80, 45 wins to get in. And, uh, and here we are, where we're knocking on that door. Um, but I don't know. Does that, before we kind of finish up the playoff conversation, is that, does that cheapen that feeling to you? Absolutely. I mean, here's the thing. I was pissed off when they didn't make it in uh, 2020 when they expanded the field to like 20 teams. I was pissed off. But you know what? If we would have gotten into the playoffs, I feel like that might have altered the way that the front office. Well, I'm going to say the it, the the alters the way the front office looks at things. And maybe they they they're not as aggressive or they're too aggressive. But honestly, I don't think it would have changed anything because they don't seem to be doing anything anyway. Um, but it. To not make it when they've expanded the, the playoffs to pretty much everyone is embarrassing. And honestly, I don't want a participation trophy. I want them to earn making the playoffs because I think back to the 2007 season and how great after being on the cusp and being on the cusp and being on the cusp, how great it felt to make the playoffs that year. And then the next year, like you knew, even though we, you know, even though we didn't really make too much noise in the playoffs, in that 2007 season, we made it, and it was on our own merit, and the fact that the Mets suck, but it was mostly <laughs> on our merit. Seven and, and seventeen. Woo. Yep. Hey Hollywood, how's that for you? Anyway, <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, I I want it to be on merit. I don't want to get in based on the owners want more playoff revenue in more cities, but at the same time, you open up. The t you open up the the playoffs and then you don't make it. How freaking bad are you? Yeah, yeah, and that's gonna happen. And that's you know, look, there's gonna be your 40, 50 win teams, and they're, they're just not going to do it. Whether they were four teams going to the playoffs or twelve, 
sometimes you just have that bad of a team. The Phillies have been there, um, you know, uh, but then you also have these perpetual really bad teams at times, not all the time, but you would see, you know, a team like Minnesota or Kansas City or Pittsburgh or some of the, the Midwestern regionalized or more regional teams um, that didn't have big markets and they didn't have big wallets. Um, and look, I'm not saying the Phillies always did. I mean, they're, they're the, you know, very well known to be the losingest franchise in all of professional sports. We know that. Um, but to that point, though, it's, it's, you know, great that we might see a smaller market team finally crack in and, and maybe have some success two, three, four years in a row because there are that many teams kicking in. And I say success at least by making the playoffs. Um, because we do have there, you do have those teams that kind of float around. You know, they win seventy-seven games, they win eighty-five games. They don't do much because they're not head over that extra hump. But maybe that season they win eighty-five, eighty-six games. Now they maybe they kick in, you know, and maybe they get hot. You know, I, I always look at the two thousand eleven season, and I hate to say this, but I remember the minute I knew the uh, Phillies were playing the Cardinals, even though the Phillies had won over hundred games that season, I knew we were in trouble. I knew it because they were hot and um, they went on to win the world series, <laughs> you know, and they, right. they were not a, they were not a hundred win team. Um, I, I think you'll see some things like that, which makes it interesting. Um, still not a fan of it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. 100%. I agree. 100%. Um, so let's move on to the next, uh, the next little step here, which um, I really, I don't know really what to make of this one. Um, I, I, I question why it was done. I question who it benefits, and it's it's limits to the times to the number of times a player can be optioned to the minor leagues in one season. So, do you have any thoughts on this one? It makes sense in the sense of. I know that there are certain things with, with contracts and how that all works with, um, hey, I, I need to send you down for whatever reason because you're basically, uh, you know, you're the, you're, the, you're the bottom part of the roster and I need an extra pitcher. Uh, and I, can play with, I can play with my roster that way. I, I understand it in the sense of you, you throw some of these young players that, that might have very limited service time or they kind of sit in limbo. Um, it's like, you know, oh yeah, they're, they're being called up to make that fifth start because, you know, they need it because there was a double header somewhere along the way or a really long game and they, and they make that start and then they kick them back down in the minors. Um, and they do that multiple times in a season, <clears throat> you know, look, part of the rules, is it right by rule then? Yes. Um, that's kind of ruin a psyche though for certain young players. Wouldn't you think? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Go, the, the yo-yo being up and being down and being up and being down, I think it could be dangerous to a young player. Um, I mean, not you know, it's not apples and oranges, but you look at a guy with the Flyers in Morgan Frost, and Morgan Frost has been being bounced back and forth between the main roster and the Phantoms all season. And he's not he's not thriving in either the NHL or the AHL. And a lot of that could be because number one, he's you know he's being bounced around, and he's and number two, he's not he's not able to get comfortable with his teammates and get comfortable with what he's doing, and play. So I you know there's definitely 
I think a a benefit to not jerking them around like that. Um, and I wonder if maybe that's the impetus behind this this rule. And if it's that's gotta, the case, it's gotta that's be. Cool. Yeah, it's got to be. There's, um, you know, there's a there's a, a theory out there, and it's a, and it makes a lot of sense. I believe it was Jim Collins um, in the Good to Great book, and I, I could be wrong when I'm saying this, but it's uh, basically uh, in in talking about a company, every person has uh, their seat on the bus, right? For the team to work properly, uh, they, they fit in the slot in the right seat on the bus. Um, my thing is with people that bounce back and forth between leagues like that, and we're talking baseball here. I don't know that they know their spot on the bus. So what? I mean, what what good is it for them to say, you know, what good am I for the team? You know, it. I don't know what how I how what role I fill because I don't know what team I'm even playing on. I don't know what bus to even get on, and it, it really. It's kind of fascinating to me to see some of these guys that come up kind of on a whim and they really own it and they kill it. And this is going to bring you to your next point here. And it's like, man, they, they're, they're hitting 400 over two weeks with, you know, three, four home runs. And in years past, guess what? They get sent right back down. And why do they get sent back down? Because they're manipulating their service time. So what, what's your take on that? Because this is... Always to me, I've got I've got some thoughts on this. This has been crap to me for a long time. Oh, absolutely. See, and this is this is something that's pissed me off for a long time too, because I feel like it's bullshit that they're able to basically toy with their futures, and you're you're essentially putting the good of the team behind your ability to control this player for another year, you know, or or whoever for another year, and so. What is the idea of spring training? The idea of spring training is to figure out who you've got on your team, who your best players are, what the best lineup is, what your best chance at succeeding is with the players you have in your organization. So what good does it do your organization to take a player who everyone can see is clearly going to be the best fit? at a certain position or in a certain spot in the rotation or in a certain position in, in the bullpen and have them sit in the minors for a month and a half, just so you can control them for another year. What if they get hurt in, in the minor leagues? What if, you know, there's so many things that you can do to damage this player and damage your team irreparably by trying to save a couple bucks at the end of the year. Exactly. It's ridiculous to me, and it's ridiculous that the owners have gotten away with it for so long. It pisses me off that they've been yeah. able to do that. I think, you know, I, I kind of noted this um, in our sheet here. I think down the road, um, and I'm not talking maybe like the, the, the in the same vein as like the steroid scandal or whatever, but I think this is going to be like, you know, an ESPN 30 for 30 or something when they really look at hard the service time manipulation. Um, for certain players, and I'm not saying that like, it, you know, it's it's a benefit, or excuse me, a, um, a not a benefit to everyone. I'm sure it's worked out in certain cases, and I'm not, and for the player maybe, um, just because they were able to get a little extra seasoning when when they really weren't ready, because that's the whole point of that. Um, but the the thing is, you had players, and I looked this up earlier. Um, I think it was in spring training of 18, maybe. Uh, Ronald Acuna for the Braves was hitting like close to 500. He was like 440 or something, hitting the crap out of the ball. And I 
I don't believe he cracks the major league roster until the year after. Um, let me see. Maybe it was the end of 18 when he finally comes comes up. Okay, no, he didn't start the season in 18. He had ended up playing 111 games. I he um doesn't. I don't believe he starts the season in 18 though with them. Um, and by all rights, he should have. But you have these like you know these these guys that are like him all the time that are you know killing it in spring training as you suggested or as you said, and they're just, they don't make the opening day roster because they're controlling service time. And it's, it's kind of sick. Yeah. It's absolutely disgusting that these guys get screwed over like that. And I'm glad, like I said, I'm glad that the, that they finally are taking steps to eliminate that. And I think you're 100% right. I think at some point in the near future, they're going to look back at this and be like, why? And it, it will be a big thing. It, you know, it hasn't been yet, but I feel like it it more than likely will soon. Yeah, you know, and yeah, I'm just kind of going back and I'm looking at the uh, uh, Ronald Acuna's debut. He he debuted at the end of April. I just remember him being a big service time issue. Um, but the uh, the other thing too with with uh, this is that and this is my take on this. And you you mentioned this. You know, what if the player gets hurt? You know, look, most players have agents. I, I don't. I'm not going to say there's a there's a there's a hundred percent that do, but most players have have an agent. And a lot of those young guys, look, they they make money, but starting major league salary, especially over time, isn't a ton. Yeah, it's more than you and I make, but you know they they're paying an agent. Uh, generally, they make it, and you always hear stories. I don't know how many times I bought my mom a house, I bought my dad a car, I did this for my sister, I did whatever, did these big things. At the end of the day, how much money is really left there for these guys? Because a lot of these young guys, I'm not saying not all of them, but they're a lot of good portion of them, they don't have endorsement deals or anything. They're not making this extra money down on the side. Um, they're not, you know, and you know, what happens if these guys, you know, they do this, they do that. And like you said, they get hurt all because of the service time thing. Like, <laughs> you know, and, you know, chances are, yeah, they, they, if they're really good and hopefully they're healthy, then they were making, you know, bank, you know, five, six years down the road. Um, but, you know, that, boy, that's, that's gotta be tough. Like to like, you know what, your entire family, everyone's kind of throwing all their eggs into you because you were going to be the superstar athlete. And you get basically screwed over on service time, and then you get hurt. <laughs> you know, I mean, it sucks. And I'm glad this is, you know, finally being addressed because this is something that's been, like I said, the Ronald Cooney situation. There's other players that are out there that have kind of fit this bill over the years. Um, you know, it's and the other thing too, you know, you have a player that's like killing it. I mean. And, and it's like, ah, I'm just going to throw him back down to the minors. Well, you know, midseason, that player may make may, may be the difference from your team making the playoffs down the road because they may have helped you win an extra four or five games when you really needed it. Right. So, I don't know. All right. Um, all right. Let's, uh, let's talk. This was cool, though. I like this one. Let's talk about the draft lottery. Uh, this is interesting. Yeah. So, you know, in sports, obviously, like uh, like hockey and – basketball and to a lesser degree football 
tanking has been an issue. And, you know, basketball and hockey have the draft lottery to, to help kind of curb it. It doesn't, it still doesn't curb it all the way. Cause I mean, we watched, we lived through the process in Philadelphia where the Sixers were just God awful, like unwatchable basketball. Like you're, you're, you were better off watching St. Mary's school for the blind play with that little BP ball <laughs> than, than watching the Sixers, you know? And, and that's, that's, no shade thrown at St. Mary's, you know, Hey, they're doing their thing. And it, it was more enjoyable. Trust me. Um, but in baseball, I never really saw it as an issue. You know, like you, you put in the notes that it, it's a case of bad management. So honestly, the Phillies, the worst major league sports franchise in the history of major league sports. If you look at their issues, it really does point back to mismanagement and a lack of developing homegrown talent. So I don't necessarily see a whole lot of tanking going on in baseball, but any steps that they're going to put in to prohibit that stuff, I'm all for. Yeah, no. Look, I don't know that, like you said, you, you made it, you know, you made this point and made this comment and, and whatnot. I don't know that that's a big problem. And I think other teams have proved and I won't, I won't dig into all this. I, I kind of thought this was, you know, kind of a, a, you know, beating it down the road type thing. But I think other teams that don't have, like, big payrolls have proved this on purpose because small teams could easily, and I mean easily, tank um, and be bad and, and try to get high draft picks. Um, but uh, the Rays and the A's, I think, have proved that multiple times. They don't need the money to win. I mean, the Rays last year, I look at this, they, they were roughly one quarter of the L.A. Dodgers payroll, and both teams won 100 games. I mean, granted, L.A. won 106, but still, <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, 100 games is nothing to sneeze at. Exactly. But the Rays have been consistently good like that for a long time with no payroll. They, they could tank all the time. They don't have to because right. they're, they're managed correctly. Good farm systems, as you said, Phillies, yeah, mismanaged farm system. Um, but then you have things like unfortunate injuries that happen. It, it, look, you said it, it's an organizational problem, but I am glad that they're having it because, you know, th this is something that does, again, entice maybe the fan to come back. Uh, maybe maybe they have a little, little bad taste in their mouth over certain things. So it's like, oh, you know what? My team is all of a sudden got a good draft pick. Being there's five really good guys that could go this year. Now we're number three instead of number eight. So I don't know. Yeah. Makes so, it interesting. I mean, it's, yeah. It's, it's interesting. And like, you know, like we said, it, it, I don't really see it and you don't really see it as a big issue, but apparently it's something that they felt the need to address. And so good. I'm, I'm glad that they're taking, they're taking proactive steps to keep it from becoming an issue like it is in the NHL and in, uh, ML, 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 ML the NBA. <laughs> um, so let's move on to the next one. Next one is, and thank God, this is one I think, I don't think that there's one person on the planet that's going to disagree. I'm sure there there is because somebody's got to disagree with anything that makes sense. But um, instead of playing two, double, uh, two seven inning games for the double headers, they're going back to full nine inning games. Thank you, God. Yes. Amen. I absolutely, like you, hated, and I mean hated, the seven-inning crap. 
And look, I even say this in my notes, and I don't want to go down this this road too many times on our podcast. I understand that it was a response for COVID. I get that. I was so glad that we had baseball. You know, it came back. Right. We had something. Right. But look, even in hindsight, it was dumb then. If you're playing, if you're right. playing, se- if you're playing seven or fourteen innings, you might as well play nine or eighteen. I mean, right? It's not like COVID's <laughs> going to say, "Well, they're still in the seventh inning. I can't get them until the eighth or ninth. Exactly. Like, that's not how it worked, man. You're, you're no, field, you're playing, you're interacting. If you're if you're gonna get it, it's gonna happen in the you know by this by the seventh inning stretch, you've got COVID if you were gonna get it in that game. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't doesn't check out at the eighth inning. I yeah, it was you know hindsight one of the dumbest things, but again, I hate to say that because I really enjoyed being able to have something um, then. But the uh, so glad to see the nine inning doubleheaders come back, and you know here's the thing too. Honestly, before COVID. We really weren't getting that many doubleheaders anyway. It just so happened with, uh, you know, with the rainouts or those sorts of things. Um, you know, the the the, the doubleheaders of, of yesteryear were were pretty much non-existent outside of you know rainout situations or, or you know, random reschedulings because of whatever. So, I mean, I guess, I guess actually, if we if we take away the COVID aspect of it and we just say that all right, they're playing so many games in a condensed schedule. I guess to try and save time here and there, but beyond that COVID shortened season, the original COVID shortened season, not 2021, there was no reason for it to happen in 2021 because even though you were playing it, you were playing a shortened schedule. You weren't playing a full 162. Wait, did, right. wait, did they play 162? I think they, I think they did. I, you know, the 2020 season was only 60 games. Um, that was that was the rush season, uh, but yeah, and that's probably why. Now that, that that makes sense, but yeah, they were still doing that last year, and they played a full se- full or close enough to full season, um, you know. Because I realized there were still games that were canceled out, whatever. But they uh, they still ended up playing. I think most nearly every game. So um, yeah, no, that good. That's gone. Um, we don't have to worry about that one. But, uh, you know what else we don't have to worry about? Ooh. We don't have to worry about ghosts. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm because I was scared too because I thought we were gonna have to get uh you know Peter Venkman and Ray Stance out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude. Well, apparently the MLB has come out um in a strong in a strong way and they have come out against ghosts. Um, there will be no more, you know. So in extra innings during COVID times, they we started with a man on second. Uh, Colloquial, no, colloquially known as a ghost runner, um, not your typical ghost runner, like in our backyard barbecue games, because there was actually a person there. But um, you know, for all intents and purposes, it was against ghosts. And the other reason that we're saying ghosts is there was talk of ghost wins for division winners in the playoff, and so they they did not move forward with that. Thank God, because. Again, talking about participation trophies, win the games. You want to win, you win the games. And and when we say ghost wins, what it looked like was this. So even though they were a division winner, they were still going to have to play a game, uh, uh, you know, the best two out of three in, um, you know, to start the playoffs. And what they were saying is if you're a division winner, you automatically win the first game. So then you only have to win one game and – the other team has to win two, but I don't buy that. 
you win you by playing the game. You don't get handed anything. And I understand, you know, there should be an advantage for the division winner. Well, there there's going to be advantages for the division winner. You know, that's how they got there. There's going to be advantages for them. But one of those advantages is not going to be or should not be a free win without playing the game. Exactly, exactly. Um, I know this is probably uh, not the right analogy, but mulligan and golf. Yeah. Uh, we just kind of, you know. Or a, just a get, handicap. Yeah, just, just give it. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Just give it to me. You know, um, I just don't. That was I hate that. Like, look, don't get me wrong. We've talked a lot of a lot about things that I don't care for here. You know, Universal DH, and we'll talk about some other things that I don't care for either. This I really don't like. And what's even worse is that this is, um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's not quite dead yet. There has been talks of them bringing this back somehow, some way, but maybe not in the tenth inning. Maybe they'll do it in the eleventh or twelfth. I don't care. I don't like it because we don't get to see, you know, uh, really cool things like, uh, was it Wilson, Wilson Valdez, uh, and his amazing pitching ability in the 19th inning. Oh, oh, (laughs) yeah. We don't, we don't get to see things like Roy Oswalt playing left field. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I had completely forgot that Roy Oswalt was in left field. You know, look, I get it. I mean, you're trying to speed the game up. You're trying to do these other things. We're going to talk about something toward the end of our MLB notes here um, that I think is a much better idea. Um, but, uh, yeah, not a fan of the Ghost Runner stuff. Just, just yeah, no, just I don't want it. I don't, don't even – if anyone is uh, up there uh, at the MLB offices – and the player association listening to this, um, just stop right now. We ain't afraid so. of no ghosts, but we also don't want them in our baseball. No, and uh, I think uh, you pointed me in the John the the, yeah, John, the direction of John Heyman's quote was amazing. Um, that was that was good. Yes. So he said MLB is strongly against ghosts. Or wait, did I? Did I no, is against ghosts. Not strongly. I'm strongly against ghosts. There you in go. Baseball. Yeah. I mean, look, obviously they're not that anti-ghost. They did have a Field of Dreams game, and that's all about ghosts playing baseball. So they're clearly not super against ghosts. It's just right now they're choosing to be against ghosts. Yes. So um, let's talk about rules going 2023 and ahead, and then we'll uh, we'll dive into um, the Phillies non-off season. <laughs> But uh, you know, really you make this an explicit episode, don't you? It'll, it'll rally up for the end here. Um, <laughs> so, 2023, though, uh, let's let's talk about this. The new CBA allows for 45 days for the owners to implement further rule changes that would not take effect until the 2023 season. And these rules include banning the shift. And I want to hear what you have to say about this. So this is where we get explicit. So, look, when we had Ryan Howard. Yeah, I wanted to ban the shift, but it was because Ryan Howard hit into the shift every friggin' at bat that he that he had. Um, again, love Ryan Howard. I'm I'm say I'm speaking in hyperbole. Ryan Howard. We don't have World Series without Ryan Howard. Great Philly, one of the greatest Phillies of all time. Love him, but he could not avoid the shift. What other sport besides the neutral zone trap in hockey 
which I agree with taking that out because it just destroys the game. What other sport do they take away a defensive alignment because the offense can't do its job against it? Explain that to me because I really need a good explanation for why the shift is being taken out. You don't want to, you want to avoid the shift. You want to neutralize the shift. You don't want people to do the shift anymore. Hit the fucking ball the other way. (laughs) There we go. Fucking hard. (laughs) Go opposite field for once in your fucking life. You cretin. You can do that. It's not against the fucking rules yet. (laughs) But if we keep going the way we're going, you're going to have, there's not going to be any fielders on the field anymore. There's going to be little fucking spots. And if you hit the ball into a certain fucking spot, you get it, you get a double. Or this so, spot is a triple. Or this spot is a fucking multi ball. It's going to be like the uh, the Mario uh, Party Baseball or yes. the toy, or, or the, there's a game, uh, <clears throat> the toy baseball toy. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's exactly yeah. what it's going to be. And look, I hate this. I really hate this. Um, and and again, it goes back to um, the the pitcher right off of uh, you know being able to bat. The strategy gets reduced. It's to me, it's just another attempt to water down the game. Um, again, it, I guess it draws more interest because there's more offense, um, and with more interest, there's more money. As a longtime fan, I hate it. Um, here's the thing: I I'm I'm kind of wondering. Um, and I, and I, I just, again, take it or leave it. I honestly think this could do two things. I think it could create some amazing defensive plays because now because they can't play in shift, they're having to run like crazy to try to get to the ball. You're going to see some pretty awesome top 10 highlights. However, I think that could also potentially create some really gnarly injuries that are completely avoidable because you could have avoided it because you could have had the shift. Um, because there are players and, um, you know, I can't tell you how many Chase Outleys we do have still around, but there are players like him who, if he were still playing, that would be absolutely insane and try to go from second base to the first base line in a matter of three seconds and, you know, and about halfway die trying to do it because that's the kind of player he was. And I think a player like that would get hurt. And I, I hope I'm wrong. I'm just kind of trying to think through like what's going to happen, um, you know, because not everyone has top tier speed and not everyone will ever have top tier speed. And, you know, I, I don't know. Right. I, I mean, to me, honestly, it's like saying, oh, Tom Brady is having trouble with the and I could see the NFL doing this. Tom Brady's having trouble with the Tampa two defense. So we're going to outlaw that. You can't have you know, you can't line up in that formation. You can't bracket a receiver. Uh, you can't spy a quarterback anymore because Jalen Hurts can't get around the edge anymore. Uh, you know, or, or Patrick Mahomes can't. Uh, I don't know. Patrick Mahomes can do everything. So anyway, uh, you know, it, it's just dumbing down the sport. And yeah. I don't like, I don't like yeah. simplification. I don't like dumbing down. If you're trying to teach kids, okay, cool. You dumb it down. You you know, you you simplify it, and then you add things as they go. That's how you teach. That's how you learn. This is not doing that for anybody. I get no. offense is what brings in numbers. I totally get that. I understand that. Don't get me wrong. And I understand that offense is what brings in the money. But at some point, you're sacrificing the sport for money. And yeah. I'll never be okay with that. 
now and, and, and kind of the other thing too is that once you do things like this and this is going to be very stupid for me to say but you know when i buy that next copy of lb the show and let's just you know pretend that you know being able to put my team into the ship is gone in real life well guess what's gone in the video game um <laughs> you're dumb like you said and I, and I make that comment because you just said it too you're dumbing it down you're simplifying it and you're simplifying it for everybody and everything even if you don't play the game if you just pick up a controller and you play it that way guess what you're dumbing it down for them too um and it sucks i don't like it uh, again um it's it's to me it's it's this is worse to me than universal dh um yeah. because it, no, I, oh, it really, no i agree you know it is and i only say that because look dh has been around for 50 years i think we can agree that, that it's at least been um useful to f certain things i don't know this because what's the next thing what are you going to take away next you know, it, it's like uh, we bring into this one. Okay, here's a here's a great one right now. We'll go into it right now. The pitch clock. Um, I'm not saying that this is a, an, a completely awful idea, but what's your take on the pitch clock then? So, in theory, I'm on the fence about it. All right, uh, and what I what I what I mean by when I say that is the change of the game. But honestly, if it means that we're not watching the pitcher meander around the infield after every pitch and it saves time that way, I'm good with it. It's not necessarily the implementation that I'm upset or, or the fact that we're going to do it that's that upsets me. It's just changing the game for... It almost feels like the sake of change, but I know deep down in my heart it's not because we do need to make the games a little bit faster. And as long as they're not putting them on like a five-second pitch clock, if they still have time to, you know use their brains a little bit and they're not basically just a pitching machine at this point, then I, I agree with it. I really need to see how long in between pitches they have. That's my biggest question with it. You know, it's kind of like the shot clock in basketball. They implemented that to move the offense along and to move the game along. And it was a good addition to the game. I just got to see how exactly they implement it in baseball but honestly, while I was initially opposed to it, I feel like it's actually a good addition to the game. Yeah, no. So I, I think it'll be – here's my take. And, and there's, a, uh, there's a great article on Baseball America um, that came out at the end of uh, – well, it's September 2021. It's written by J.J. Cooper. Um, when they first implemented it, uh, I think you were shaving some time off. Unfortunately, when they started messing around with it, I think it was like back in, gosh, 2000 and, oh, no, no, it was several years ago, 20, 2015, I think, yeah, 2015, so it's been several years ago now. Um, the game times were, were, were reducing a little bit, um, but unfortunately, um, even with that reduction in time, other things have happened <laughs> um, to to for the time to creep up, and 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 now here's the crazy thing, um, and I'm looking at um, some average nine inning game times across the board. So, you know, uh, pitch clocks being intro introduced. I'm not saying this was across the board, but it was introduced at some level to minor leagues in 2015. But looking at AAA, AA um, games. Um, the time has actually increased <laughs> moving from 2015 to now. So it's 
for other reasons. Now, I, I don't know that the pitch clock is the answer. Um, I do like the fact that you don't have to worry about the pitcher dilly-dallying around the, the mound. Um, right. Never was a fan of that. So I, I don't hate the idea. Uh, it's not traditional. Um, but look, baseball is never going to be fast-paced. Uh, so I don't know exactly that this solves that problem. Right. I mean, and, and that's the thing. I feel like, you know, as they're speeding things up by adding the pitch clock, we also introduced the manager's challenges and instant replay review. Ah, uh, yep. Exactly. Where we're, so for all the time we're gaining with the pitch clock, we're losing time with that. So they've got to, you know, like you said, it's never, it never has been and it never will be a fast paced game. That's no. It's not going to happen. And no. so, you know, and that may be, honestly, that may be the the death knell for baseball, so to speak. Whereas, you know, kids, I, I don't want to say kids nowadays don't have the attention span for it because they do. There's a lot of kids and I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, take away credit for where credit's due. There's a lot of kids that love baseball. No, it's not as flashy as basketball or, or, or soccer or football or whatever, but it's still a fun sport. It's still a fun sport to watch, to play, to be involved with. But I don't think you can fundamentally change it and make it something it's not, which it's never going to be fast. No. And I saw something today, too. I believe this is being tested out in the minors. At some point, um, as in the end of the season, not the beginning of the season, I'm not even sure what level. Um, but you mentioned challenges. And apparently challenges are being introduced for pitches. <laughs> So we're slowing it down even further. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, again, um, it's a great answer if you remove other stuff. <laughs> so, honestly, let's let's be real here, okay? If they really want to speed up the game, if they really want to make it what they're envisioning, then they need to figure out a way to do away with the umpire judging balls and strikes behind the plate. Yeah. yeah. That's That's... The start and finish to this argument is some yeah. kind of automated ball and strike. It's not It's not that hard. All you got to do is put a chair back there. Right. I mean, that's all we do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, no, that's no disrespect to uh, umpires out there. That's just a, it's a good backyard uh, joke. I don't know. It's a little, it's a little disrespect <laughs> to them because cause a lot of them uh, – see, that's the other problem is uh, I'm firmly anti – anti-umpire <laughs> and uh, especially when they try to take over the games themselves make themselves the stars of the game um i don't know man i just i have a huge problem with with major league baseball umpires and uh the sooner we can get them out of there the better for me hey i uh, just goes back to little league and, I, and i'm just biased but hey i'll never forget the time bruce framing uh drop kicked charlie hayes's helmet into the dugout so yeah yeah. yeah. So yeah. There you know, go. some of them some of them are cool. Some of them are cool, but I, I don't know. I just have a deep seated dislike of umpires. So especially yeah. if I if I get to know their name, then something's wrong. Yeah, exactly. Should, Dude. Exactly. Know their names. No. All right. So we got a couple of more things here that for for potential for twenty twenty three or beyond. And again, this this stuff's kind of, you know, this is more open. Um then we'll 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 dive into the Phillies a little bit before we close up shop here, but uh, the next couple things here. The uh, next one is larger bases. Uh, <laughs> what is this, <laughs> dude? 
I'm I'm at a loss. So we've got pizza boxes on the field now. You might as well start putting dominoes and little Caesars and you know jets on the on the sides of the bases. Um, supposed to increase player safety and increase steal, stolen bases because there's a larger base for the players to reach for and decrease collisions at the bases and blah 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 no it's bullshit you're making it easier i get it you want to increase offense you want more exciting plays stealing a base is exciting i get it i get it why are we artificially doing this this is like you know major league baseball which we talked about juicing baseballs and sending juiced baseballs to certain series and dead balls to other series. Oh gosh, yeah, we got into that pretty deep, and I, uh, yeah, we need to, we'll have to revisit that at some point. But I, you know, I thought about the large base, the large base thing, and was like, of course, my mind is like, someone's gonna get hurt, <laughs> right? <laughs> but, well, no. but, but let's be real, because for years, ever since you know, I know I played little league, ever since I was like five or six, the bases were the same size no matter where I played. Now. For these same guys, you know, they've been playing baseball for 20 some years and they got used to the base being a certain size. You get used to running the bases a certain way. All right. I'm running down first base. I'm looking in the outfield. I see the the outfielder hasn't gotten the ball. I need to start making my turn so I can get so I can get the turn around first base. I have got that down to a T what the best route is for me to do that so that I can quickly get the second base and beyond if possible. And I've done that the same way for years and years and years. So now I've got to be cognizant of the fact that there's a different size base. So if I step, how many times have we seen players round first base or run through the bag and twist their ankle because they land on the bag wrong? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't see that getting any better. No. Um, you know, that's, that's the, that was the first thing that stuck out to me about this one. Um, but, you know, like, here we go. We'll, we'll, we'll finish up our MLB rule change part here on this one because you, you actually brought in the, the perfect segue uh, as we started to talk about larger bases. Um, you know, do we see Domino's or do we see Pizza Hut sponsor a base? <laughs> it's very possible because they've decided that they're going to allow ads on the helmets, on the jerseys. I mean, we're essentially becoming, every sport is becoming NASCAR at this point. And it, it sucks because you know what? They spend all this money, all this marketing on these jerseys, on these uniforms to make them look cool. And now you're going to throw a fucking Acme sticker on the back of it. You're going to have, you know, HBO Max, the, the Houston HBO Max Astros or the Houston <laughs> Astro Glides. <laughs> or the your first baseline sponsored by Pablo Escobar. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's in Miami. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, all the lines on the field in, in Miami are, are made out because <laughs> they, they want to support local businesses. Um, you know, uh, it, it's just, it's insane, man. I hate it. You know, it started, you know, it's bad enough watching hockey games. They've got the, the computer-generated ads on the glass, right? Mm-hmm. And they've got certain ads on the boards that change because, and on the ice, that are computer generated that change throughout the game. And it's distracting. It really is. Then you've got the ads on the helmets, which the ads on the helmets aren't that intrusive. I don't really mind them as much. Um, At least with the flyers, it's, you know, it's just three letters. It's not anything big. It doesn't look like anything, you know, it doesn't really look out of the ordinary, but 
soon enough, it's going to be like, you're just going to have, I don't know. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. I always look back at this because, um, you know, this, 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 this even goes back to this, but I mean, heck, when we started watching baseball, there were no ads on the walls, even. I mean, there were no ads. I mean, there were, there were, there were ads by like the scoreboard. That was about it. Um, But I I always think that Major League Two was absolutely prophetic in this. And there's a good, good, good Bob Euchre quote. Um, So Weaver doubles off the Zippo bail bond sign. (laughs) But that's where we're going, you know, and that means we're kind of that already, but we're going there even further. And it's just so funny because it's like, yeah, back when we started watching baseball, the whole outfield wall was green or whatever. And uh, now, like you said, there's ads all over the place. Now there's going to be ads on players and that. Uh, uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, is there ads on bases? What, I mean, what else is next? Ads you on know? the baseballs. Yeah, exactly. I, it's probably, it's probably going to be something stupid. And it, you know, it, it it's you know, and I, it's really dumb stuff too. It'll probably be like a QR code, and they'll pick up the right. baseball and show it to the camera, and just I don't know, what does it stop? <laughs> right. Well, um, let's get to the next one though, because I didn't see this one. You put this on here, and I love it. Yes, yes, and I forgot. I almost forgot about it too. But yeah, no, dude, read this because this is awesome. All right. So, if the All Star Game remains tied after nine innings. The game will be decided by a home run derby between the teams subject to the party's agreement on details and format. And that's exhibit 13 titled tentative agreement, all-star game and home run derby. Dude. Uh, yeah. I, dude, this was like a childhood dream for me. I saw this and was like, you know, look, they said it was tentative. So it's obviously not decided yet, but if you're going to do it anywhere, do this, at the all-star game. And if you want to, Put that ghost runner crap for me. Do this instead. Right, right. <laughs> no. So here's what I'm. So here's what it, here's what you do. That's exactly how you do it. So you play home run derby with your players, and you go through the lineup. But there's lines on the field. So all right, you hit it past here, it's automatically a single. You hit it past here, it's automatically a double, triple, home run. Right. That's that, how you do that. And that would be awesome. Do the ghost runners, and then. You've got the best of both worlds. You've got backyard baseball. Matter of fact, I'm not convinced that you don't do that for the all-star game proper. <laughs> because I would get a kick out of that. I don't know about you. I would. I don't watch the all-star game really anymore. I used to, when I was a kid, all-star weekend was my jam. I was always watching it. You know, I love the home run derby. thought it was the greatest thing ever. At this point, I don't know. I almost feel like I want more backyard baseball than I want an actual game. Yeah, All Star Game's tough. I still kind of try to watch the Home Run Derby at least. I don't really watch the All Star Game because uh, one, being a Phillies fan, um, really <laughs> hasn't been a whole lot of All Stars lately. Um, but I do like, still do enjoy the Home Run Derby. Uh, it's it's gotten a little crazy uh, because of the amount of home runs people hit anymore. Um, but it's uh, still fun. Uh, you know, it, it's to me probably the last good vestige of you know, major sports, you know, all-star activities, because we all know the Pro Bowl has always been a joke. Um, the NBA stuff is used to be really cool, has really gone downhill. Um, and I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm cool I with uh, the NHL. I, I really enjoy the NHL because um, they, they've gone to threes. True, true, true. That's right. That's right. You're right. That's right. Um 
But uh, yeah, now the pro sports all star pro bowl stuff, whatever, has always been kind of a eh. <laughs> but baseball somehow kept it together, and the, but they kept on adding like really weird stuff, like yeah, the winner is going to get World Series home field advantage. It's like yeah, which I'm totally what what anyhow. So, but those are our 2022, 23, you know, changes or possible changes. Those are. Those are fun. I do want to stick here the last couple minutes here and talk about what the Phillies did or did not do this offseason. And I just want to start up here with the bullpen where they have signed a former Met, Juris Familia, former other National League East player, Brad Hand, um, and Corey Knable, um, who about, what, four, five, six years ago for the Brewers was um, knocking it out as a closer. And I think that is going to be the potential Phillies closer. So what say you on these three bullpen signings? More like bullshit. (laughs) Canable, I'm down with. I'm good with him as a starting piece of the puzzle. I honestly, I'm not going to talk shit on Brad Hand because I don't know enough about him to talk shit. What I will say is Familia fits the perfect – he's the perfect Phillies bullpen pitcher because he fits right the fuck in <laughs> throwing gasoline on a fire. <laughs> and he's going to blow so many saves and so many games for us that are within reach. And then he comes in and the whole fucking thing blows up. So great job, John Middleton. You're doing fucking outstanding, you piece of shit. <laughs> so Brad Hand – um, boy, and I, I, I thought about this. Yeah, I, I, as I mentioned, he played for the Nationals. Um, he played for the Marlins, and he also played for the Mets. So he's really made the rounds in the NL East. Um, so if anything, at least he's familiar with the NL East. Um, the guy's been around for a long time. I think he's a great bullpen arm. Um, you know, I think he's a great addition for the Phils. Uh, you know, somewhat of a small contract. Uh, the guy's not your closer, um, but he is, uh, you know, does have that experience. Um, Familia was once a great reliever. Um, I, I don't like this signing um, at all. Um, I, I'm in complete agreement with you. I think he's going to just not do anything for us, and he's going to end up being cut at some point in the season. See, if we wouldn't have paid as much as we did for him, I'd have been, if it was, we're going to take a flyer on this guy who used to have it and has lost it, and we're going to hope that we can get the best out of him, and we give him a major league minimum, or even even at a million or two million a year, I'm good. But what, what did we pay? We paid him somewhere between six and nine. Is it, yeah. Is it six million a year or nine million a year? No, Brad, I thought Brad Hand got six. I don't know. He familiar might have gotten more. I'm not entirely sure. Look, I'm not going to sit here and completely dump on the guy. The guy's got 328 lifetime ERA, um, and he went nine and four last year. He was stayed under stayed under a four ERA. But here's the thing: familiar back five six years ago, led the league in saves. And over his time in New York and then gets bumped out of New York, then comes back to New York, 
is no longer the closer. To me, that's pretty telling. Um, I don't like this. I just don't like it. Um, I hope to God he proves me wrong. Um, yeah, I really don't do. Don't get me wrong. I want him to do well. Unlike the next person we're going to talk about. I want him to do well. I just can't I, see it. No, I don't either. I, I think I've got more faith in Brad Hand, and only because of Brad Hand's absolute just – he's to me, Brad Hand has never been as good as Familia, but Brad Hand's been more consistent. Um, and, and I think that's, the, that's my, my one issue with Familia is that he's had – Familia has had seasons where like 19 with the Mets was a, a, a thing for me that just really makes me just wonder – um, you know, he's pushing the ERA of six. I, I, I don't, you know, uh, that, that hurts because that's a, you know, really a, a, that's a tough, you know, full season there. Um, you know, looking at, you know, Brad Hand, you know, he had some, a little bit of ups and downs in, in 2021, but even then he still was at, at a three three eight. Brad Hand's never been. I think he had a season back in '15 where he was over a five. Uh, yeah, in the ERA, the consistency to me lies in Brad Hand. I think that was a better signing, and I just hope, like you said, Familia proves me wrong, proves us wrong. Yeah. All right. So, next I, one. You say this next fucker because I don't even want to say his stupid fucking name. <laughs> okay. So. The Phillies re-signed uh, a day or two ago, um, Aduble Herrera. And look, this has been an interesting thing for the Phillies with the uh, – we won't get into the allegations thing because that's all time subsided, but talk about somebody that never lived up to their original contract. I mean, he, he did earn the contract initially, and then he just never lived up to the contract that he just got out of and now you're stuck with having to resign him because in my head, two things, all the major free agents, center fielders were off the board. In my honest opinion, who's left being Brett Gardner. I don't think Brett Gardner was the answer. Um, and two, it's been very well speculated that the Phillies were looking at trying to trade for, the Pirates center fielder, um, outfielder Brian Reynolds, um, and my own, my guess is that the asking price was just astronomical, and so that's how you end up with Adubel Herrera. However, um, it looks to be based on some stuff I've been reading from uh, trade rumors and you know some other like Philly sports media that that's going to be a platoon situation with uh, the young Matt Beerling, who in a short window last year. Um, hit well over 300 or over 300 with a couple of home runs. So I'm hoping that there's something there. The only problem I have with Matt Veerling is that I don't think his defense is up to snuff. Anyhow, there's my long-winded Odubel Herrera lead into how you're going to absolutely kill him. <laughs> Fuck Odubel Herrera. So here's the deal. Now, I just, I just had to look for my insanity. We haven't officially signed him yet. As far really? as I can tell. I thought yeah, we did. Officially signed. There's been rumors. I'm hoping to God that they don't re-sign this giant piece of shit waste of fucking money and plop him in the middle of fucking center field. Because honestly, I'd rather see fucking Lenny Dykstra's goddamn 
tobacco spit out there trying to fill <laughs> than this fucking shit sting. <laughs> We've got Adam Hazley still in the minors, right? Bring him the fuck up. I'd rather see him platoon with Veering. I'd rather see them bring back Andrew McCutcheon, who doesn't have the wheels to play center anymore. I'd still fucking rather see him in center field than this piece of shit. Anyway, well, unfortunately, signed. McCutcheon signed with the Brewers, so we're, we're out there. Well, God damn it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sign right. You know what? Ryan Barney just had a son. He's not that old, but I guarantee you <laughs> he'll be more likable than Adubel Herrera. Fuck him. <laughs> fuck him. Fuck him. And did I say fuck him? I'd rather yeah. sit in a sock and throw it <laughs> in center field and let it try and field fucking balls <laughs> than watch Odubel Herrera take another <sighs> step in the Phillies pinstripes. He is a piece of shit. He doesn't deserve to be in the league. He's lost his fucking right to play Major League Baseball. Fuck him. Get him out of the fucking league. Or let him go play with some other shit team. I I was I was honestly shocked that this like you, you mentioned Adam Hazley. I thought this would be the last the last chance for Hazley, honestly. I thought that they would have him uh try to man center field and uh, with Veerling being a fourth outfielder. Right. I, uh, I I I I honestly didn't really think they'd re-sign Herrera. Um look in 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 Herrera when he's right, he's a an okay ball player. Um I hate this because there were so many good center fielders out there that they could have easily dumped money into, um, especially with the massive Comcast con, uh, you know, contract or whatever, and all this other crap that's supposedly there money wise in Philadelphia. And it leads me to my last thing: you have all this, you have all this money in Philly, and you end up with signing three decent. Um, I think it does solidify the bullpen, uh, at least two of the three. Uh, and hopefully, Familia proves me wrong. Um, but the last big thing they did was trade for a new backup catcher. They have done really nothing else since. Right. Um, and, and that pisses me off because John Middleton has so much fucking money, it's coming out his ass. And he's, oh, I, I'm going to, I want my trophy back. I want my, no, you don't, motherfucker. You're a fucking liar. You come out here, you take all this money from the city, from the fans, you pretend like you're one of us, you pretend like you give a shit about this team, and then you pull this bullshit that we've seen this fucking offseason. The luxury tax has gone up. You have money to spend. There is zero reason why we don't have an impact player coming into Philly this year. Zero fucking reason. Yeah. The only reason is your fucking greed. Sorry, I... No, no. I uh, I saw a um, I saw an article about how you know the headline you know headlines and articles. Obviously, we, we've done an entire podcast about that that got you nice and riled up. But saw <laughs> saw saw an article about how um, Mike Trout would uh, come to play at Philly, and it was uh, so I, I clicked into it and it was like at the end of his career when he's like pushing 40 and it's like, well, yeah, obviously. Cause you know, he's from Millville and he's a big Eagles fan. I'm sure that's how it's going to happen. It's like, you would think that if they're really that serious, like, and I'm not saying him necessarily, I'm just using right. him as an example. 
um, that they would pull some strings to find a trade somewhere with anybody and take on a big salary because I believe there's still 30 million or so under the luxury tax thing. <sighs> you know, and I don't know. It's here's it, what it's going to come down to. They brought Bryce Harper here. Bryce Harper wanted to come to Philadelphia, asked for a no trade clause so that he could stay in Philadelphia. And they're wasting him. They're absolutely wasting him and making him look like a fucking moron because they refuse to do what's necessary to put a fucking winning team on this field. Not only are they not bringing in players in free agency, not only are they, I would say not only are they not trading for people, but we don't have anybody in our farm system to trade because this fucking management group and ownership group has decimated any kind of farm system we had through complete and utter mismanagement. And they refuse to fix what's fucking wrong. Their front office sucks ass. They can't do anything right. And they just keep digging this team and this organization further and further into the fucking ground. And it disgusts me. And we're going to piss off Bryce Harper. And he's going to say, you know what? I made a fucking mistake. I need to get out of here. Yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, no, you're not wrong. I, uh. This this is a big season for us. I really think that, you know, and look, whether one of two things has to happen here, and I, and I mean this with all sincerity, I don't know that they make a big season, excuse me, big offseason splash right now, because it certainly doesn't seem like they will. But I am hoping to God that they are somewhat halfway decent enough that come all-star break, it's like, you know what? We're pulling the trigger on something amazing. You know, that's the only thing I'm hoping for right now, because right now it certainly doesn't seem like it. Right. Um, th- that's it. I mean, that's, that's kind of where I'm in. That's like, that, that's my glass half full on this is that I don't see it now. I, I hope to God I see it at, you know, at all-star time. Um, but man, dude, they did nothing. Um, yeah. They, I, I think they, they sure up the bullpen a little bit and I'm hoping that maybe a couple of these guys, actually come up from the minors and do something. Um, but uh, Bryson Stott has been a, uh, you know, name's been thrown around to, to play shortstop. Um, and this is no, no slight to Didi, but Didi shouldn't be our everyday shortstop anymore. Didi yeah. should probably should be DHing at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think there's there's some guys that, that should hopefully would come up and do something because that's what the Phillies don't have. That's what they've been missing. They don't have the Utley, the Jimmy Rollins, and the Ryan Howard, and that core group of people. They haven't had that for a long time. You know, they brought in some big guns in Harper and JT. Um, yeah, it's nice having Reese there at first base. Other than that, Kingery was a bust. You know, uh, you know the, the mess that the outfield outside of Bryce Harper that's been, and this is no slight against Andrew McCutcheon and what he tried to do for us, but right. Right. And, you know, inevitably was us with some really oddball seasons, you know, but everyone else has been a disaster. Um, you know, there's just nothing there. And, you know, I just I hope mean, starting, uh, starting pitching too. I mean, you know, I, I really, you know, I look at Nolan, I think he's taking a step back and, Man, I, I just – I don't know. I, I You're absolutely right. Now, NOLA is a huge issue for me um, just based on y- y- 
you know, he'll have these stretches early in the season where he looks unbeatable. And then by September, he's just garbage. And I don't know if it's going through the different managers and different pitching coaches and that has gotten into his head and has screwed him up or what. But I, they can't figure out their pitching. They can't figure out their staff. And look, I did not like Gabe Kapler at all. I was willing to drive him to the airport when we fired him. But what did he do? with What has he been doing with the Giants since he left here? Maybe it's not the manager's problem or mm-hmm. the problem because he's got the Giants humming. Oh, yeah, exactly. He won National League Manager of the Year. Uh, was it not last? Was it last year? Or was it the year before? Mm, I think it was the well. Uh, gosh, um, oh, I don't remember. I really don't. I think it was maybe the last. Maybe last year. Yeah, he won it last year. Yep. 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 Okay, so there we go. So he wins. He wins manager of the year after being derided and ridiculed here. And, you know, and I was one of the ones that was, that was trashing him. And at the time I thought, man, this guy, why is this guy a a manager in major league baseball? And then all he does is go and win manager of the year because he was with a team and an organization that understands it, that gets it and is able to be competent and put together a team, put together a roster, put together a minor league system. And we don't have that. No, no, it sucks at all. Like I said, it, the walls came crashing in for the Phillies after the 11 season. Um, you know, and, you know, it's, there's been some bright spots with trying to uh, bring in Harper. That was awesome. And JT and, you know, Zach Wheeler has, uh, you know, so, some big splashes. Yeah. But there's no cohesive unit. And there's no, like, to me, there has not been a young guy, maybe Reese Hoskins at times. Um, but there's not been a young guy to me that stands out. It's like, man, this is this is the new Rollins. This is the new Utley. This is the new Howard. This is the new whoever. Right. Um, and even even these flyers that we'd take on people like Jason Worth or Shane Victorino, the, there's nothing there. Right. You know, uh, oh, it's great. Yeah, we've had Bamboo Brad Miller. That's awesome. But it, right. I don't know. I don't know. All right. I, 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 before I before I get too down on myself for the Phillies here. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't want you down in the hole with me. So I'm going to, I'm going to end this episode. Um, you know, there's, we've talked about a lot. There's a lot to, to look at. There's a lot to take in a lot to process. And, and honestly, let's, let's be realistic here. It's, we're getting baseball back. Maybe it's not in the form that we had hoped. Maybe the Phillies are going to be atrocious this year, but at least we're going to have baseball. So let's just be happy about that. And I, I know it's kind of funny coming from me after my, you know, expletive laden rants there. But um, let's let's look at the bright side. Welcome back, baseball. Thank you for coming back. Fuck the owners. Fuck John Middleton. Let's go, Phils.